No matter in life what you try to do, you're dead too. Hello, and welcome to You're Dead Too, the podcast about our shared inevitable demise. I am your host, John Toyson, and joining me on the program this week is nobody. Once again, I am continuing my deep dive into looking at funerals, what they are, why we have them, how we do them, how they change across humanity, and what overall is... What's the deal with funerals? Um, so this week I wanted to actually look at something a little bit different from the funereal perspective, which is um, burial at sea. And I'll get to why that is in a few minutes here, but I just wanted to first address the fact that this is a day late and say that I'm sorry for doing that. Uh, I had talked last week about doing... Uh, something special for Halloween, and the more I thought about it, and even getting up to the day of, it just, it didn't feel right. It it felt like a mismatch or a, a tonal disparity with the rest of the podcast, because this is not meant to be about getting your spooky, spooky kicks, which that's, you know, certainly an element of it. I've had people sharing their experiences with the paranormal, more so in the idea of how they interact with the world beyond ours, and not so looking to scare people of like, ooh, spooky Halloween. Like, that's not, that's not what I'm doing here. Um, I want to be more reverent and respectful of not only this life, but the afterlife. And that just, it felt inauthentic. So there's plenty of other places on the internet you can get your spooky, spooky tales and, you know, true crime tales of the macabre and all sorts of gnarliness. So this is really, my apologies for not getting this up a day earlier for Halloween, but I just, it didn't feel right to be doing something, um, I don't know, sacrosanct or profane somehow. I wanted to be more, uh, positive about this, but, um, so my apologies for not getting this up sooner. Uh, hopefully you listening have, uh, an understanding of enough ear to, uh, accept that, and, uh, if not, tell me, that's fine. <laughs> um, I'm also still fighting the crud here that's been going around. I got it. My kiddo has it. Uh, my better half has it. Um, at one point I was eating, uh, dinner with my daughter and she was eating, we were all eating mangoes and she kept talking about bangos. And, uh, yeah, that's how, uh, how not good my uh, <laughs> my uh, general olfactory and sinus cavities have been here that I'm uh, not able to talk properly. So I'll try to be as um, clear and elucidative as possible while doing the podcast here. But uh, bear with me, this should be dispersed by next week. So I'm sorry for the way that I sound now, but uh, we'll get there together. So uh, Halloween has come and gone here in the Midwest, and we are now... Uh, over the precipice into the holiday season, Thanksgiving coming up, and then Christmas beyond it. So that'll be an interesting kind of dynamic to look at all of this through the perspective of and see what is happening with uh, <laughs> death, dying, the funeral industry, how that um, how that all evolves around those things. Because, you know, that's something that we try to generally not intermingle. Although there are some, I was thinking about this last night, there are some very interesting and very enjoyable, uh, sp <laughs> I keep wanting to say spooky, horror-related things around Christmas. Uh, Thanksgiving is a little more difficult and esoteric to find, but for Christmas you can definitely find some, uh, some cooler, um, you know, more interesting, morbid things around Christmas. But we'll get to that, don't worry. Uh, so 
Before I jump into it, I just want to again say thank you for listening. I always appreciate it. It blows my mind that anybody would take time out of their day to listen to this. And if you are uh, enjoying it, let me know. Drop a line, send an email, send a note, send a tweet. Uh, if you could, write a review on whatever service it is that you're listening to this to, uh, you know, Spotify or Stitcher or uh, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts or whatever service you're using. It's the only way I'm going to get feedback and know what I'm doing and how I'm going to be able to give you the best result possible. Like, what if I had a weird vocal tick and nobody has told me about it until somebody just leaves a review saying, did you know that every time he says the word ampersand, he actually says amps percent? Bad example, but it's possible. Um also, I just want to interact with people. I just want to know what this is doing for people or what this is not doing for people. So if you're listening to this and you've got a perspective or if this has offered you some insight, please drop a line. Uh, you're dead too at Gmail or uh, at you're dead too on Twitter and Instagram. Still wrestling with the idea of setting up a Facebook account. I, you can hear the excitement in my voice at that. Um, so without further ado, let's let's just get past all that and let me say thank you. I always appreciate it. I it is astounding to me that anybody that is not my immediate friends or family want to listen to this. Um, thank you for listening. Let's just jump into Burials at Sea. So, let's put the fun back in funeral. Uh, this week I wanted to look at Burial at Sea, which I actually got to thinking about as I was getting away from the... Um, diversion of something for Halloween related and started looking at more uh, direct one-to-one relatable stuff here. Again, that's just something Halloween related didn't quite feel like the right thing. That just was more of a personal fun thing rather than related to what we're doing here. Anyway, I digress. Um, No, recently in the news here in America, the president, who I shall not go on a tangent about, uh, had a news conference um, announcing the death of a leader in ISIS, and it brought back memories and certainly comparisons to what happened when Osama bin Laden was killed, and how that was handled by the military, and how the news of it was received by the world at large, and I was actually surprised to find uh, a lot of the memories of the notion of burial at sea coming back, because that was seen as particularly unusual at the time. Now, looking at it um, with some distance to it, you can see, oh, here, you know, I, I can see why that happened, and I can also see why it was unusual and noteworthy, but I was curious, you know, what what do I know about burial at sea? It's surprising to me that it seemed um, so remarkable to people, you know, that just, that it almost like hadn't occurred to people, but it really, the more you look at it, the more it becomes, I don't know, I think there's some charm to it, I think there's some universality to it, um, but in Osama bin Laden's case, uh, as far as I understand, without getting too conspiratorial, the idea was that by committing a burial at sea, you were denying his devotees and uh, followers and adherents a place to create a shrine to him. Um, like, if you just think about the gross number of people <laughs> that go to Jim Morrison's grave in France and how grody of a shrine that has become sorry jim uh but it's been a lot of stuff put on your grave that's just weird and gross uh imagine that extrapolated onto somebody like osama bin laden and it's no wonder to see why the government would say let's not offer this as a place to have um you know a shrine erected so they uh 
supposedly wrapped him in a shroud and uh, weighted him down and committed him to the ocean in accordance with his religious beliefs, but uh, there's certainly room for conspiracy theories to say that didn't happen and that he, you know, wasn't killed and that there is... I'm not going down that rabbit hole. There are, again, other podcasts for that. I just find it interesting that when this happened, that's the route they took. Um, It was just an unusual facet to it. So it got me thinking, what is burial? Let's see, how do we handle it? And uh, the interesting thing that I've really come up with here is that, yeah, you can just kind of do it. There's no real... uh, I mean, there are, there are laws and regulations and rules and procedures in place for it, but you can just kind of do it. You don't have to be, like, you don't even have to own a boat to do it. You can, as long as you can get far enough out, you can just go ahead and do it. There are permits that need to be filed with the EPA, bizarrely enough. But uh, let's just take a broad step back and look at uh, burial at sea kind of throughout uh, perspective of history here, um, particularly an article from Talk Death, uh, published January 22nd, 2018, Burial at Sea, Everything You Need to Know. Um, They specifically jump on the same point here. Many people recently became aware of burial at sea during the infamous disposal of Osama bin Laden's body. According to the U.S. military, bin Laden was placed in a metal coffin and thrown into the Arabian Sea. Uh, Of the many ways society that lay dead to rest. Burying them at sea is a tradition that we often forget in the modern age. Believe it or not, burial at sea is not only one of the oldest ceremonies associated with death, but it still occurs today all around the world. So there you go. That uh, direct talking point there. They talk about uh, history here. Burials at sea can be traced back thousands of years with recorded instances of sea burials dating back as far as the ancient civilizations of Romans, Greeks, and Egyptians. Um, Egyptian death rites is something that deserves a whole series on its own, and I will not do a... uh, I will not do it the injustice that I would certainly be doing it by talking about it at all here, so I would love to speak more about that in the future. Uh, Tangent over. Sea burial was considered a common funerary practice alongside other traditions practiced in these societies. Uh, Though all these ancient civilizations gave preference to burial in tombs, there were still occasions which necessitated a sea burial. In particular, deaths during battle when the dead were far from home. Uh, In such cases, conducting an earth burial would not be possible for obvious reasons. Um... Perhaps the most famous example of a civilization that practiced sea burials were the Vikings. The infamy of the Viking sea burials is in part a result of the invasion of the British Isles in 700 AD. Their, quote, ship burials, as they are now called, involve the use of an entire naval ship as a container for the dead and the various traditional objects buried with them. These kinds of burials can be traced back in Scandinavia to the Iron Age and are featured prominently in the Norse sagas. These sagas also speak of ashes being scattered over the sea and of Viking ships being set on fire and pushed out to sea to be consumed by the flames. It should be noted that the ship burials often took place on land, with the ship either cremated or interred under a burial mound. One would probably not want to argue with the Viking about the technicality of a sea burial on land. So I'll concede that. And that's something that I've wanted to be able to dig into more and more as I've done this podcast is looking into what the actual um, sea burials were for the Vikings and the idea of a funeral. Uh, I always thought of it as a funeral pyre, and that's not right. That you, you know, light the ship on fire and set it out to sea. Well, that is not necessarily accurate to what it was. There was certainly the traditional gathering of objects that you place in the ship, but then burning it on land or entombing it. That's a fascinating aspect that I hadn't considered that it was, I, I thought it was completely the opposite of, you know, the boat going out. And 
So, uh, interesting insight into, uh, so uh, full disclosure, I have a lot of uh, Scandinavian background. Um, I just don't know much about it, kind of other than the stuff that I've gotten through osmosis here in the Midwest, but uh, it's interesting to note that, that that's kind of how that all plays out. I thought that would have been completely to the contrary. So anyway, uh, looking at burial at sea, uh, you know, from the basic Wikipedia high-level look, it's just the disposal of human remains in the ocean normally from a ship or a boat, uh, regularly performed by navies and is done by private citizens all over the world. Everybody has their own different customs. Um, you can be in a casket. You could be cremated. You could be without the casket and uh, wrapped in a burial cloth. Um, but a, a key factor in this is that you need to be weighted down. Um, and again, not to get too gnarly and morbid, but frankly... As a body is placed in the water, um, the decomposition process starts, and certainly the water is an active, moving environment. If you look at what we talked about with alkaline hydrolysis uh, a couple of weeks ago, just the movement of water molecules over the body will speed up the breaking down rather than just having it exposed to the air and letting the natural decom process happen. So the body quickly breaks up, and most often at connective points. So... Uh, if there are tales of shoes washing ashore with human feet in them um, on the coast of both east and west sides of Canada, I think was the urban legend about that. They're basically, that's not some weird serial killer chopping off feet and tossing them overboard. It is still the unfortunate nature that people are dying overboard, but uh, feet disconnect from the body at the ankle there. The, the tissue becomes thin there and it's... You know, there's no bone holding it together, so the foot breaks off, and the shoe is buoyant, and so it floats up to the surface and bobs back to shore. That's typically what's happening there, but um, keeping the body intact if you have not cremated it is a, a factor in what happens here. So if you have wrapped somebody in a burial shroud, that helps keep the body uh, whole. Uh, similarly, keeping it in a casket will do that, but um, either way, you need to have the vessel weighted properly and i'll speak to that in a moment here about epa concerns um looking at catholicism uh, i've had guests on in the past talk a bit about their faith and how they interact with the rigidity of or what i perceive to be the rigidity of catholicism and i certainly can't fault people for that because it's it's kind of the nature of the beast it's it, ritual and method is what they do and they do it very well um so the roman catholic church prefers normal casket burials over cremations which uh you know we talked a little bit about in the cremation episode it has more to do with the sanctity of the body um that it's not as respectful to spread ashes and i was actually in my own experiences in my life i've encountered priests who directly advocate against any kind of um segregation of the ashes that you wouldn't take a small vial of it for yourself for example um the same that you wouldn't cut off a thumb from a body which um yeah i, I get the point but that's not really something you would say to somebody yeah within a week after their loved one has passed away seems like a weird uh particularly gnarly way to explain that to somebody so this is their particular spin on it and not my take so 
according to the Roman Catholic Church, uh, cremation and the spreading of ashes over the sea, water, or on land uh, does not give the due respect to the remains of the deceased, nor does it allow for the closure and healing of family and friends. Likewise, they see that the custom of housing the remains with family or friends and not placing the deceased in the ground does not offer loved ones a specific and sacred place to visit the individual. Visiting the deceased in a holy place provides believers with a space to offer prayers, commune with those who have gone before them in faith, and reminds them to await the resurrection of their own bodies. Burials at sea in a casket or an urn is approved for cases where the deceased expired in the sea. The committal prayer number 4-6, squiggle sign 4, is used in this case. All right, so there's... That's their mojo. That's their deal for wanting to keep the body together. They want to adhere to the practice and stick by the rules of doing things the way that they do them. And I can remember very well asking a lot of pointed questions to my um, religious studies teachers in high school. I went to a Catholic school. Um, and even asking the, the principal about certain things, uh, just like, well, why do we do it like they're not we? Why do you? Why do they do it like this? Why do they... What is the importance of this? Help me understand this. And it wasn't coming from a place of, you know, haughty teenage atheism. It was just wanting to understand. And the older I've gotten, the more I've realized I was not... <laughs> I certainly was a petulant little turd. I'm sure I was. Uh, but in that case particularly, I, I really looking back on my own life, I'm able to see that I've always been curious about this and I've always wanted to ask questions about this whether or not I would ever <laughs> do a podcast, I would want to talk about this stuff. This just gives me a valid reason to, um, or, you know, a, an external reason for me to talk about this and sit and talk about it at length on a weekly basis so I have an outlet or event. It's like putting a little pressure valve in the back of my skull. So I can't uh, fault the Catholic Church for their own views on that, and there are certainly other things that I would address before that, but I can see the idea of the... Preservation of the body, keeping it together, um, you know, this, the sanctity of the integrity of the of the meat suit, which is kind of funny considering if you, and smarter minds than mine can certainly speak to this at length, of if the body is just a vessel, if we're, you know, no, no longer going to be needing this body, is it the resurrection of the flesh that we are waiting for in that case? I, I don't understand to what aspect. There's a very literal change there, and... I'm just not quite sure how to wrap my head around it. But um, not surprisingly, on a similar Christian perspective, the Protestants have a much looser, <laughs> more casual attitude towards it. That's, again, the faith that I was brought up in. And they're, you know the, the lack of structure is pretty freeing and allows a lot of movement, uh, which is nice. But also, if you're looking for some real structure, maybe it's not going to be there for you. Um, but the Anglican Communion has a detailed process for burials at sea. This is still under the subheader of Protestantism here. Uh, the ship has to be stopped, and the body has to be sewn in canvas, suitably weighted. I love that the ship has to be stopped. Like, you can't just huck it overboard like it's garbage. You have to actually stop and do this with intentionality, which I find to be an interesting overlap of uh, some of the more woo-woo stuff that I've done. Um, you know, mindfulness and moving with intentionality. That um, you got to stop the boat. You can't just chuck somebody overboard. Um, the Book of Common Prayer of uh, the Protestant Episcopal Church in the United States. Uh, a member of the Anglican Communion provides a specific prayer for the committal of burials at sea. Um, many Lutheran naval veterans and seamen prefer to be buried at sea. In those cases, either the casket or the urn is set to sea or the ashes scattered. The procedure is similar as that with the Anglican Church. Some parishes have specific consecrated sea areas where ashes can be sprinkled. So it's interesting to note that um, there are 
sectioned off. Man, white people are... We are really fixated on putting up fences and marking off plots of land that are ours, even when there is no land to mark. I just don't understand that. I don't... I mean, I look out at my own backyard, and it just seems so arbitrary and funny. I didn't put up any of the fences. Those fences are all there by the accord of my neighbors. Um, except on one side, because he's a nice guy. I'm getting off the track here. Uh, Hinduism. Uh, the deceased are typically cremated, and the bones and ashes are collected, and if possible at all, uh, immersed in the Ganges River, um, or any other proximally practical close river. Um but I've talked about the Ganges River before and how that's been a critical part of Hindu faith in uh, the departed. Uh, Islam, the sacred texts of Islam prefer burial on land so deep that the smell does not come out and the beasts of prey do not dig it out. So kind of a cleanliness and, uh, again, sanctity and respect for the dead. Um, however, if a person dies at sea and it's not possible to bring the body back to land before decay or if burial at land becomes impossible, burial at sea is allowed. A weight is tied to the feet of the body and the body is lowered into the water. And this would preferably occur in an area where the remains are not immediately eaten by scavengers. Again, it's it's about keeping the body respected and whole and um, having some respect. Saying the same thing over and over again. Being repetitive is my job. It's my job to be repetitive. Uh, Judaism, uh, according to Jewish law, a dead person must quickly be buried, and burial practices requires covering in earth. Uh, that law is derived from the Devarim, uh, or Deuteronomy 21, uh, verse 23, bury, you will bury him the same day, for the unburied body is a curse to God. Uh, the double command to bury, causing a positive command to entomb in the earth, and a negative commandment forbidding leaving an unburied body. So I find that interesting that it's so strictly adhered to in Jewish faith, too, that that's... I think what's so appealing to me about it is the idea of the universality of it. It really is a reminder of the ashes-to-ashes, dust-to-dust nature. Even if you don't cremate somebody, we are so quickly deconstructed and... Disseminated out into the remaining water that I saw some, you know, meme online that basically posited that the ocean is the world's largest graveyard and that it's all, you know, spooky and scary and we're swimming in bones. I mean, yeah, that's that's kind of how it works. Is things break down. That's why you have lots of fossils of things on land, but you don't have as many fossils of things on the ocean floor because the ocean floor is eventually subducted and, you know, returned to magma and sediment builds up. Like, it's just this all-churning... This I, I don't even know. It's just this all-churning mass that just... Everything that goes into it becomes a part of it, and that definition of things becomes slippery at a certain point that you just you are no longer your oneness quickly becomes part of a larger collective like it also makes me think of and maybe i'm just on a bunch of cold medicine here and my thoughts aren't making much sense but like if you ever watch the planet earth documentaries about the deep ocean they have uh, footage of a whale fall which is when a whale dies and the body of the whale eventually falls down to the ocean floor and it quickly becomes an entire ecosystem for lots of little tiny gross things with millions of legs that are all crawling all over it, eating it and deconstructing it it's it's not pretty but it is a reminder of 
this is the natural course of things. This is the natural cycle of things and that we are all bound to the same fate. We get this <laughs> this high and mighty notion of, it's not going to happen to me. I'm wearing shoes. Look at me walking around being dignified. And no, we're all made of the same goo that eventually just becomes worm food. I mean, that's... It, the same fate lies for us all, and it's the time that you make of here on the planet that seems to be of any import, because once you hit that delineation point of, all right, this person is dead, and now there is no longer freshness of life coming from them, we don't know what happens beyond that. I'm not exactly carving fresh territory here, but that's that's kind of the whole point of all of this, is that no matter in life what you try to do, you're dead too. So this is, what what do you do with this time? How do you make sense of it how do you make worth of it do you have to make worth of it i no but it's the idea that something can have meaning gives it meaning at all you know why do we observe anything so this is i'm quickly getting um what my therapist would say i'm getting ramped up where i, <laughs> I keep stepping back further to a further uh, explanation point to a further ramping point where I, i'm just i'm needing to make better sense of all of this frankly so before I lose my mind down a rabbit hole, in the United States, a funeral director is not required for the burial or cremated remains at sea. Uh, however, full body burial requires specific preparation to ensure the body or coffin sinks quickly, and in many states, a licensed funeral director is required. So that's by state level and not by national level. Uh, the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, uh, their regulations for full body burials at sea in the U.S. required that uh, the site of interment be three nautical miles from land and at a depth of at least 600 feet. Um, in California, whole body must be buried at least three miles off the coast. Off the east coast of the United States, the closest efficient depths are off, um, let's see, Long Island, it's 75 miles out. Uh, Miami, it's five miles out in order to get that deep. Um, in many cases, travel in excess of 30 miles is requested for a suitable, or required for a suitable site. So it's interesting that you have to have specific distances that you have to go out, and, uh, you know, from a cleanliness and sanitation aspect that can certainly understand that and also for a um a sanctity or reverence for the dead you, you would want to have peace and privacy and not just go to the you know the beach at spring break and dump a body in the water you want to go far enough out into the ocean where you can have the peace that you require to have this done properly um as I'd said before, there are requirements that you need to adhere to. So the following, this is from the epa.gov website, the following activity is not allowed under the MPRSA guideline permit for burial at seas. Not allowed. Placement of human remains in ocean waters within three nautical miles from shore, so i.e. the ordinary low watermark or closing line drawn on nautical charts across the openings of bays and rivers. Um, the placement of non-human remains, such as pet remains, which I found to be an interesting distinction, and then placement of materials which are not readily decomposable in the marine environment, such as plastic or metal, flowers and wreaths, tombs, tombstones, gravestones, monuments, mausoleums, artificial reefs, etc. So also notable within that, uh, medical devices. So if you can, you have to have them removed. Um, going on from the EPA website, 
preparation for burial at preparation for burial at sea human remains shall be prepared for burial at sea and buried in accordance with accepted practices and requirements as may be deemed appropriate and desirable by the United States Navy Coast Guard or civil authority charged with the responsibility for making such arrangements in addition state and or local requirements may apply for the transportation of human remains on land for example to locations other than cemeteries so the local jurisdiction can have influence and sway over how the procedure is carried out um, if no casket is used EPA recommends wrapping a natural fiber cloth or uh, sailcloth or a shroud around the body and adding additional weight such as a steel chain to aid in rapid sinking. If using a casket, uh, plastic materials should be removed from the casket before burial at sea because plastic materials do not degrade and may create unacceptable marine debris. A metal casket as used by the United States Navy should be considered. EPA recommends that a minimum of 22-inch holes be drilled into the casket to facilitate rapid flooding and venting of air. The holes should be evenly spaced on top, bottom, and head and foot ends of each casket. The holes may be covered with a porous material like cloth or paper so that the remains are not visible as long as plastic containing adhesives like tape are not used. Uh, to aid in rapid sinking, additional weight such as sand or concrete, but not lead, be added to the casket to achieve a total weight of at least 300 pounds to offset the buoyancy of both the body and the casket. Weighing the foot end of the casket facilitates feet-first sinking, which I've talked about in the past is a matter of reverence or, again, uh, respect for the dead. Moving on, the casket should be banded with at least six durable stainless steel bands, chains, or natural fiber ropes in order to ensure rapid and permanent sinking of the intact casket. One band should be placed over each of the two lengthwise axes of the casket, top to bottom and head to foot, as well as four bands evenly spaced at intervals along the narrow axis of the casket. The latter is important for caskets with separate head and foot caps. Commercial shipping straps are likely to deteriorate rapidly in the marine environment and should not be used. So I find that very interesting that you have to have specific things holding it all together which gives a uh, a particularly grisly look to it but then when you think about the things that you have seen in you know pirate movies or um you know when i think about extra things being placed around caskets that's usually I mean, horror video games where it's meant to keep something inside no this is meant to keep it all together and keep, make sure it sinks properly and it's not just floating and bobbing around which was a real problem after uh, flooding in hurricane katrina that graveyards just anything that was too freshly interred just floated right up and coffins floated away and it's a whole disaster that doesn't really get talked about because it's so unsavory um who is eligible under the MPRSA general permit for burial at sea? The general permit may be used by all persons transporting human remains from the United States for purposes of burial at sea. All persons owning and operating a vessel or aircraft registered in the United States for flying the United States flag transporting human remains from any location for the purpose of burial at sea, or all departments, agencies, or instrumentalities of the United States transporting, uh, transporting human remains from any location for the purpose of burial at sea. Um, is application required for a permit prior to burial at sea? No. The MPRSA general permit for burial at sea does not require an application or prior notice to the EPA. The permit does, however, require EPA notification within 30 days of the burial. So this is what I was saying before, that basically, as long as you've been signed off by whatever local authority uh, has... Um, I want to say power or control of, you know, the funeral director or the county authorities or the state authorities that you are 
authorized to take the body from the funeral home or whatever circumstances you're going to, once you proceed with the burial at sea, all you have to do is just notify the EPA within 30 days of it happening and get all your paperwork done. You can just do it. You don't have to have been a sailor or uh, a Navy commander that you can just do it. Uh, there are, there's a number of if-thens, so-whats on the EPA website that you can look at for further idiosyncrasies about, like, lakes and bays and uh, different ways to proceed with paperwork, but those aren't really as germane to what we're looking at here. I just wanted to list a few uh, notable people who have actually chosen burial at sea as opposed to traditional interment. Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, his ashes were scattered in the Pacific Ocean. Steve McQueen was cremated, and his ashes were scattered in the Pacific. Vincent Price, uh, also in the Pacific. Uh, Gene Kelly, uh, cremated, ashes scattered at sea. JFK, ashes were scattered in the Atlantic Ocean by the U.S. Navy off of Martha's Vineyard. Robin Williams was cremated the day after his death, and his ashes were scattered in the San Francisco Bay. H.G. Uh, Wells, Janis Joplin... Uh, Rock Hudson, Robert Mitchum, also Neil Armstrong. His uh, he was cremated. Ashes were scattered in the Atlantic Ocean from the U.S. Navy cruiser, the Philippine Sea. So it's it's a fascinating route to go, and it offers, like I said, a certain universality to the ashes to ashes, dust to dust idea that. You're committing somebody to the great beyond, and it's a beyond that we can't go. You can't dig somebody up. You can't visit it. You can go to the ocean, and we are all from the ocean. You know, the first things that crawled out of the ocean are our common, long-forgotten ancestors. So there's a there's a certain, I don't know, symbolism to being born of the water and then returning to the water. And, yeah, it's it's... A strange and romantic and uh, haunting image, but something worth considering. So uh, I'd like to thank everybody for their patience in getting this episode out of day late, and my apologies for doing so. And uh, if you've got any questions about Burial at Sea, reach out, let me know. I'd be happy to talk more about it or uh, follow up on Twitter, Instagram, and harangue me online. Otherwise, I will, uh, I'll be back in touch with you all and hopefully sounding a lot better next week. Mm-hmm.